This episode of Practical Significance is brought to you by the Society for Untested and Undocumented Assumptions, Models, and Protocols. When you don't have time for rigor and reproducibility is someone else's problem, then you need the Society for Untested and Undocumented Assumptions, Models, and Protocols, S-W-A-M-P. In the swamp, there is no need to acknowledge assumptions, verify models, or test protocols. Documentation? Well, are you sure you really want to write down what you did? In the swamp, we say replicability and transparency are nice if you care about that sort of thing. And now let's join the podcast. Hello, and welcome to Practical Significance, a podcast to inspire listeners with compelling stories from statistics and data science and to propel data driven careers forward. Here are your hosts. The ASA's Director of Strategic Initiatives, Donna Lalone, and Executive Director, Ron Wasserstein. Well, welcome everyone to the 2023 season of Practical Significance. It's really hard to believe that here we are at the beginning of the new year, but this is a really special episode for Ron and I because we have the pleasure of welcoming Dion Price to the podcast as she begins her term as president of the American Statistical Association. So here we go. Dion, I know that you have a day job, although sometimes with all the things we ask you to do for the ASA, it's probably hard to figure out how you get that 25th hour in the day. But (laughs) your day job is Deputy Director of the Office of Biostatistics, Office of Translational Sciences, Center for Drug Evaluation and Research for the FDA. And that is a mouthful of a title, which I think comes with about the same length of responsibility. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about your work for the FDA? Yes, and it is a mouthful, which is probably why we use a lot of acronyms. So if I were saying what you just said, Donna, I would say I'm Deputy Director of OBOTS CEDAR FDA. We use a ton of acronyms because it is a mouthful. And I'll first start with FDA has many centers, um, seven, I believe, and I am in the Center for Drug Evaluation and Research. I work with a very talented group of scientists and other professionals who are committed to protecting the public health by ensuring the safety and efficacy of drugs and biological products. Now, the Office of Biostatistics has over 200 statisticians, and our mission is to provide statistical leadership, expertise, and advice to foster, of course, the expeditious development of safe and effective drugs and biologics. And we specifically apply our expertise to clinical trials and other studies that are developed and conducted to demonstrate the effectiveness of products. So at the FDA, specifically CEDAR, and that's the Center for Drug Evaluation and Research, statisticians are members of multidisciplinary teams that review and provide advice on investigational 
new drugs in the development stage. So we actually don't get the data at the development stage. But once the clinical trials or the studies are conducted, developers admit applications and those applications have data and our FDA multidisciplinary review teams, which statisticians are always a part of, go to work to thoroughly evaluate the data and to inform the regulatory decision. So in a nutshell, we review drugs to ensure the safety and efficacy of those drugs. And when you're reviewing these, inevitably, you see a lot of research problems or research issues. So we also conduct research as a part of our work. A large part of my job, in addition to having, you know, the knowledge base in statistics and data science is communication, because we are part of multidisciplinary teams. We are communicating statistical concepts to non-statisticians daily. So thanks, Dion, for that description. I was thinking that when Donna read your title, that your business card must be the size of one of those checks that they give out to the lottery. But I see you have that handled with acronyms. So let's switch away from your FDA work to your role as the 2023 president of the ASA and tell us a bit about your goals for the year ahead. Sure. So when I was actually talking about my day job at the FDA, I specifically mentioned the mission. And I believe that my colleagues and I are dedicated to our work because we believe in the mission. I also believe the same is true of ASA. The ASA is our professional home, and we all believe and support the mission, which is to promote the practice and profession of statistics. With that in mind, 2023 will be a mission-driven year where my goals will have an eye toward our mission. So to promote the profession, I will build on the existing ASA Leadership Institute, specifically as part of the institute, We plan to establish a career development program and working with our phenomenal chapters and sections, approximately 15 early career statisticians and data scientists across all sectors will be selected to participate in a year-long professional development program. To promote the practice, we will review and revise our communication strategies to ensure we are effectively communicating our value proposition. So part of this effort will entail establishing a significant presence on professional social media platforms. And we can use these platforms to highlight the scientific accomplishments of our membership. And a third effort will focus on both the practice and profession. So we will focus on two-year colleges to potentially further increase our pipeline of budding statisticians and data scientists. So again, through the ASA Leadership Institute and in collaboration with the Education Council, the Caucus of Academic Representatives, and the Caucus of industry representatives, we will convene state-level academic leaders with a goal of influencing the statewide articulation agreements, which would allow for a seamless transition for students who begin their careers at two-year colleges and to establish a mechanism for ongoing collaboration. And Ron, I, I have to add 
When I was thinking about some of my goals for the year ahead, I really talked to our membership and asked them different questions. And so my goals have truly been formulated based on what I heard from those I talked to, as well as some of my own personal passions. So, Dion, thanks for sharing those goals. Donna and I are very excited to be working with you on those in the coming year. We'll have the opportunity not only to work with you, but with quite a few other people as well uh, as we do those. But I also got to thinking about another thing that we'll be working on together in 2023 that, that I know you and the whole rest of the board are very passionate about, and that is the following up of the report from the ASA's Anti-Racism Task Force. So could you say a few words about what's going on in that area? Sure. And thanks for asking about that. As you mentioned, we did get the report from the Anti-Racism Task Force, and it was very comprehensive and contained a large number of suggestions. One of the suggestions was to engage an outside consultant, which we've done, the NOVA Collective. The board had the opportunity to meet with the NOVA Collective at our November board meeting. And based on what we heard, I'm extremely optimistic about the work that they have done thus far and what they will be doing for us in the future to ensure that ASA is a diverse, equitable, and inclusive professional organization for all. And I certainly will take heed to their recommendations and suggestions when implementing my goals. Thanks for that, Dion. And obviously, that's a huge priority for the ASA. So let's switch gears because everybody's interested in what the newest hot thing is. And so from your perspective as a biostatistician, what are you most excited about going forward? Back in 2018, which seems like a very long time ago, which actually wasn't that long ago. But back in 2018, I was asked to participate in a session at a conference. And the session was titled, The Future is Now artificial intelligence. And I remember thinking to myself, what exactly is artificial intelligence? You hear that phrase all the time, but what is it? And what will be the role of AI in my day job? So the first thing I did is I kind of looked up, what does it mean? And I found AI combines large amounts of data with fast iterative processing and intelligent algorithms, allowing the software to learn automatically from pattern or features of the data. I did have much to say at that time, and I still don't know that I have much to say, but it did really start me to thinking about AI and healthcare and at the FDA and to exploring other ways that AI is being used in our society. I did find that a few years back, unbeknownst to me, the FDA approved an app that used AI software to analyze CT scans for signs of a stroke and then send text messages to neurologists. And I admit, I don't know all the details, but this is exciting work. And the possibilities may prove endless, not only in healthcare, but in other aspects of our daily lives. And just in my research of what AI is, it just sounds very right for statistics and data science. So I think the futures now is still relevant, and I'm excited about the opportunities. Thanks, Dion. That's great. I think we all agree that the future is now, and it is exciting. 
So I want to actually go back to your first initiative because I know from talking with you that mentoring is a real passion and that you really do believe we need to pay it forward and that you do that. So I'm often asked by students and our early career folks, like, what does it take to become president of the ASA? So... <laughs> To our student and early career folks who are out there and thinking, you know, I'd like to be president of the ASA someday. What advice would you give? First, do what you enjoy. That's my first piece of advice. Do what you enjoy. Second, explore and take advantage of opportunities to become involved. So I remember early in my career, I volunteered at the registration desk for a workshop sponsored by the biopharmaceutical section of the ASA. And I volunteered for multiple years at the registration desk and I enjoyed it. And an added benefit that I may not have appreciated at that time was I was meeting people and I was networking while volunteering. And that simple act led to other opportunities in the biopharmaceutical section, which set me on a path to active volunteering and immense opportunities. So as a part of that, I became a member of the biopharmaceutical section. So I encourage early career individuals to join a section or join a chapter of the ASA. That's where I got my start and I continue to enjoy volunteering. That's great. I should ask you, how did you become a biostatistician? Interesting. You should ask that. <laughs> so I was an applied mathematics major in undergrad, and I honestly wasn't quite sure what I was going to do with an applied mathematics degree. But the scholarship program that I had actually almost mandated that we have summer internships every summer. The summer after my freshman year, I interned at the National Institutes of Health looking at epilepsy. And I worked with two or three biostatisticians. Gordon Pleasure is one that I remember and Todd Sauru. And there was one other whose name, unfortunately, I can't remember due to my age probably, but they really just exposed me to biostatistics and I really enjoyed it. It combined my love of applied mathematics with the medical type things. A part of me wanted to be a doctor, but then there was the other part of me that thought I probably will faint at the sight of blood. So it may not be the best career path for me. So that's how I got into biostatistics. And to be honest, the second summer internship, I believe was at NASA. And that helped me to further solidify my interest in biostatistics. I did not want to study the clouds for the rest of my career. And then my third summer internship was at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, Lincoln Laboratories. And there I worked on something that was somewhat confidential. So I didn't find that enjoyable because I was working on a small piece of a large project, but I couldn't know what the large project was. <laughs> So long story, but that's how I became interested in biostatistics. And from my undergrad, I went on to graduate school to get more education and training. Oh, that's great. Thanks so much for sharing that. 
Well, as we wrap up, we always like to ask our guests what they are reading, listening to, watching, what's on your to-be-read list or your playlist. And let me just be completely transparent. I probably like this question because I get to add to my list. <laughs> and so anything that you uh, want to read, have read, listen to, anything is fair game. So if I'm completely honest, I have a really long list and I have just not had time to read anything off the list. I tend to enjoy mystery. So my list is full of, of books in the mystery genre. I also enjoy the holidays. So right now I am listening to Christmas music. <laughs> So maybe not what you're expecting, you know, a podcast that helps you save the world, but I'm listening to Christmas music right now. And in that same vein, I enjoy watching holiday classics when time permits. So I, I saw, I think it was early December, they were showing It's a Wonderful Life, like a marathon. I was really excited. Well, Dion, thanks so much for spending some time with us. This is really great. And as Ron said at the beginning, we're super excited to work with you throughout this year and, and all of the members of the fantastic ASA board and actually of the fantastic ASA community. So with that, I will turn it over to Ron for the traditional top 10. Thanks, Donna. It's the beginning of a new year and everyone has advice for getting off to a good start. Always wanting to be helpful, the Practical Significance Podcast has some statistical advice for you. However, this is our top 10 list of bad statistical advice. Number 10, data is missing, just put in zero. Number nine, use a pie chart, nothing beats a pie chart. Number eight, it doesn't matter what type of data you have. Number seven, you can always just group your continuous variables into arbitrary categories. Number six, and the fewer categories, the better. Number five, don't ask questions, just run the software. Number four, you don't need a statistician until you have your data. Number three, if you don't know what assumptions you've made, then you don't have to worry about them. Number two, there are no small data sets, only small statisticians. And the number one piece of bad statistical advice, if you don't know what to do, ask Ron Wasserstein. Well, that's it for this episode of Practical Significance. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to continuing the conversation next month. Thank you for listening to this edition of Practical Significance, the podcast of the American Statistical Association. A new episode will be coming your way next month from Amstat News, the ASA's monthly membership magazine.